1: Go to the slash transistor and check it out.
0: Support our show and support your own show by going to the slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. Andy, according to my friend Internet, this is what Letterboxd is.
1: today I have 246 lists in my account I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool.
0: Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this?
1: We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service.
0: Just use the discount code Next or visit thenextreel.com slash letterbox to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well.
2: Welcome to The Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest releases that you've seen and really want to talk about. My name is Ocean, and I am the host of The Film Board podcast. On this episode, we're talking about the Batman. Fear is a tool.
1: When that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning.
3: I've been trying to reach you. Fire the gun!
1: This is about a king. and brothers to match. I can take care of myself.
3: If this continues. It won't be long before you've nothing left. I don't care what happens to me.
2: It's only going to get worse for you.
1: I'm vengeance.
2: Today, I am chatting with Pete Wright, host of the Next Real Podcast series and the man, the myth the legend, host of What's That Smell, Tommy Metz III, to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Welcome, Tommy.
3: Thank you so much, Ocean, and I would like to point out that I am a co-host of What's That Smell with the aforementioned Pete Wright. He's all Uh, over the place. Nobody cares about that, Tommy.
0: Got it. Okay. (laughs) Your
2: world,
3: just living in it. Got
2: (laughs) it. welcome, Welcome, Pete. Pete's present. Normally I ask, tell me what you knew about this movie and what your expectations you had going in. Well, since we're talking about the Batman, we can just skip what you knew because you knew it was Batman. Tommy, I'll start with you. What were your expectations of this movie going in?
3: I am on record of not being an enormous superhero fan, but if I picked one, it would 100% be Batman. Probably because he's not a superhero. He just has gadgets and he's rich and he's the world's greatest detective. So, I've always loved all of the Batman movies. All of them. No, that's not true. I like the ones that are good. (laughs) Can Get away with bat nipples on suits and stuff. No, I'm not for that. But um, so I'm a really big Batman fan. And when I saw the trailer, it looked really gritty and it looked more closer to like what the Dark Knight was than any of the Tim Burtons that we were really sort of going into a nightmarish city. And I was really, really excited about it.
2: Pete, what were your expectations going in?
0: I was just hoping it would live up to your expectations because I know you're a, a kind of a Batman guy, and I thought if if you come into this conversation happy, then I'll be happy. Um, I my expectations. I I I like Matt Reeves. I I liked what I saw of the trailer. I thought this was going to be something potentially different, and it's. I think it's it's getting harder to to make. Movies that feel like grown-up movies, um, that don't end in big superhero-like muscle offs and superpower offs, and I was so hopeful that this movie would give us something that felt earthen and, um, and and so that's that's what I went in looking for something that that felt lived in and felt you know it, it felt like as dark as the as the Dark Knight should be for me, and it turns out. Uh, I kind of feel like Matt Reeves made Christopher Nolan... Look like Tim Burton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's like a silly <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> hey, we'll, so we'll, hey, let's let's save a little for the show here, Pete. You're jumping ahead. All right. So I'm done. I'm
0: actually done with the show. That was, uh, that oh, was the thank you so much for stopping by. So, exactly, yeah, thanks, guys.
2: Good show. All right. So yeah. my expectations, as uh, Pete uh, rightfully said, were sky high. I love Batman. I've always loved Batman, and I think that Batman is the secret ingredient to improve every movie ever made. Ever in that any time I watch a bad movie, the first thing I say to it is the "What would have made this movie better?" Batman. So my expectations were <laughs> that sky high. I a- admittedly early on had a little bit of trepidation hearing about um, Robert Pattinson's going to be Batman this time, and then I said, you know what? Michael Keaton did it, so let's not, let's not judge, right? So let's see what they, put, what they put out. I saw one trailer, and I was immediately blown away by it and said, okay, I'm in. I don't need to see anything else about it. I'm going to wait till the movie comes out. Um, so those were my expectations going in. I expected to see a movie that I really liked or loved. Mm. Oh, hi. Really high. Oh, my expectations were sky high. It's yes, just like yes. no room. No, yeah. no, no. There was no, there was no room. There was no if 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 they were, if they had given us another Batman and Robin, I'd have thrown a thrown the table off, and you know there'd have been a whole yeah. well. You know how you split, that, a, the table? Is that a phrase? Like I will not be treated. Yeah, yeah, flip, the table. The table. Yeah. flip the table. Flip yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, the table. Yes, yeah. throw the table off of <laughs> the floor. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would have thrown the table off of the
3: yeah uh, you know balcony
2: or the chair. I don't know. I'd have flipped the table and said I would not be treated way in this establishment but but they did not deliver batman and robin so that is great Mm -hmm. well let me just uh, start with the kind of a quick the setup of the story Uh, not not really the whole overview because this was uh, if you haven't checked the running time yet people it's a three hour movie so there's a lot to, there's a lot of movie a lot to unpack and a lot that is great about it but there's this starting off with kind of the basic rundown that is slightly spoiler free for a minute if you're still just dipping your toe and finding out about about the Batman um, so the movie is uh, Gotham City present day uh, the Batman has been working uh, Gotham streets for two years and has created a healthy fear of him among lower level criminals uh, the, and uh, the mayor of Gotham City, has just been killed in his home on Halloween night. And uh, high-ranking uh, cop Jim Gordon, not yet commissioner, has brought the Batman to the actual crime scene, um, and, there, and there the Batman investigates uh, what he sees, but is also given a note that was left with the victim from the killer addressed to the Batman. And now the Batman must now use his wits and fists to determine who killed the mayor and why that killer wants him involved. If you wanted to know anything about it without being spoiled, that's the end of that. Batman's Bruce Wayne. Okay, sorry. I just had
3: (laughs) 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 to. I've been just sitting on that for so long.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, yes, that was, uh, that was definitely the spoiler there that Mm -hmm. Batman is Bruce Wayne. So, um, (laughs) I think that the, maybe the first place to start is the beginning, since this is a new version of the Batman and, uh, they're, they have to do a little bit of time in this to set up the characters and set up the world we're living in because we know what the Batman is as far as his powers and abilities, but we don't know what is this one that we have here and what's what's going on with him. And so um, the, the way they set up the Batman, so let's just start with the Batman himself. Uh, the way they set up in this one is that the in- initial time you see the Batman is a gang of... I guess we'll call them thugs, are, are you know, running around, you know, punching people, knocking them out randomly. And they go onto a train. They start to harass another guy that they're wanting to punch and beat up and actually to want one of their new initiates to come knock him out. And then the Batman shows up. And so as an introduction to the character, you know, the scene works where the Batman shows up, of course, st- stops them, fights them, shows you a little bit, of, not only of his fighting style, but also some of the powers and abilities of his suit, which in this case include the most bulletproof suit I've ever seen. Ever 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 ever, ever. Yeah. you know, and so so that they 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 set so they when they set him up that way, and they you know give you this is your entrance and into this is the type of Batman we're going to get. Um, What did you guys think of the? I'll start with you, Pete. What did you think of this introduction of the Batman and what this version was going to now bring?
0: Well, okay. So speaking specifically of the introduction of the Batman, I think this was the, the given the hindsight of having spent the next three hours with the Batman, I think this was a really interesting way to do it note he walks into the train platform Mm. he walks onto the platform I think this is the first time we have this experience this entrance to the Batman where he doesn't like come in from some swooping down like thing right he doesn't fall through a thing with the cape out like he he walks in he emerges from the darkness and i think that ends up being uh, a a real testament to his journey the way they present him on screen and his journey from vengeance to uh what is ultimately i think a, a an ending that is weirdly hopeful mm-hmm. for his character like that that makes his his transition um, you know, I think really interesting. So this first scene where he has to walk onto the train platform with like rejects from the purge <laughs> or, uh, a, yep. like, or, or the, jo- or actually the Joker movie Joker. Right. I mean, I, I feel like there are, th- this is, um, you know, uh, right now, all I can feel like I can say is it's like a spiritual sibling to, uh, uh, to Joker, but it definitely sort of tonally uh, addresses the mood that is going on in gotham city right now and i find that really compelling um so i i loved it
3: i agree with pita um i think that the it also his way of fighting was not balletic is that a word was not balletic. It uh, wasn't yep, very smooth. Thank you very much, but yep. I'll watch myself, counselor. But he's just <laughs> such a blunt object. It reminded me of seeing, and I know that there's uh, differences of opinion about what makes a James Bond a James Bond, but when What's-His-Name took over As this blunt object, Daniel Craig, Craig that will just, Mm -hmm. his main move is he will just hit you until you stop getting up. That's what this felt like. (laughs) And I thought it really, it just, I mean, and he announced himself pretty early on as vengeance. He's just unleashed rage that will do anything it takes to stop what's going on later on in the movie. I don't mean to skip ahead, but also this is a, this is a Batman that is afraid of heights. At one point, oh, yes. that so he runs much. to the top of this church and he's like, boy, and magically his cape doesn't let him fly. His cape's just a dumb cape. At one point in the movie, the cape becomes a hindrance. He's dragged by it uh, yeah. backwards in a fight. Instead, he has like a wingsuit, everything. We're going to be talking about the grounded nature later. But yes, everything is really stripped down in a way that I think was exactly right. And I like that that connects with Pete's Tim Burton uh, comparison.
2: Yes, I, I, I agree with that. I think that the, the not only was the entrance uh, the introduction well done. Um, I found that I also had a little bit of a I think whiplash is the wrong term. The right term is probably a, a very pleasantly surprised reaction to really shortly thereafter watching Jim Gordon bring Batman into a crime scene. You know, it's a regular crime scene. There's a there's a there's a, a dead body victim, and you have cops around taking pictures, and you know, doing what you would expect normally, you know, normal police officers to do in this situation. And Jim Gordon just walks in with the bat, and this guy dressed up as a bat just walks in. You know, and he walks in. He's looking around. You know, he's he's investigating uh, a, a crime scene. This was the first part of where I really started coming to grips with which type of Batman that we're going to get. And, and uh, that there was uh, there are really, what I think of as there are three kinds of Batman, and I'll just go off on my slight tangent and come back around to this scene in the movie. There, to me, there are three kinds of Batman that are typically depicted in in entertainment and film. You you really have your 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 Saturday afternoon cartoon 60s TV show Batman, right? He's a fun character for kids with, and families, too. he stops bumbling criminals uh, you know from criming and sometimes he dances. You know, and the second one is the superhero Mission Batman, right? And this is usually when he's fighting villains on the Justice League level that he has no business fighting. Like he's fighting Darkseid, Steppenwolf, Brainiac or the Predator. You know, just you know and all else. he has supreme <laughs> confidence in everything he does. He's able to do far more than he should with just some suit and the gadgets right there's that version and then there's detective batman A- and this is the one where the where the the batman is focused on you know protecting gotham Through his really extreme means, because he's so rich, and then somewhat extreme, and sometimes extreme measures, um, you know, and his, his mind is shown through the narration of either the, you know, the comic or the film. He has a conscious, and he, you know, thinks about the ramifications of his decisions, and, uh, these stories always feel the closest to reality to me. And so the, when it really hit me at the first part of this movie was when he walks into a crime scene and that, that is like, oh, okay. Well, so if, if someone were dressing up as a six foot bat running around protecting the city, this is how he would need to interact with the police to not be hunted down, you know? And so, and I, and I found that scene for me kind of a very pivotal and compelling as far as to let me understand what, what it was I was about to watch for the next two and a half hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and and I think that's really a, a, a important thing to note like two two things first I think this is the first time we get an authentically cinematic detective Batman uh then uh, yet like we we just all the other bats men have been (laughs) you know much more the adventure hero you know the i have an answer for everything kind of adventure hero even batfleck which was you know there's always a technological answer to every threat um and and this one i i feel like we have some great moments where he doesn't have answers (laughs) for stuff like one how do you stop the wingsuit besides maybe running into a bridge like <laughs> right. I, I think those kinds of moments were both like really authentic to who this character is uh played well and uh you know fun nods to the fact that he doesn't have all the answers you know afraid of heights you know has to fly like those kinds of things um y- you know a- and the fact that the flying bit was an emergency escape not a twist. Right. right. Because you, when you see the trailer, it's like a hero moment. Right. There's that. Oh, the the he's swinging by that building. You get that one. And it looks like, oh, of course, because Batman can fly because of the cape and all that, whatever. This was it, it was not that way in the movie. It was absolutely not. I, I really liked that. touch.
3: It's so aesthetically different, of course. But it reminded me a lot. And I believe this is the right one. Point out to me if it's not. It's the Mission Impossible where everything breaks. It's the one that I think J.J. Abrams did, maybe, or it's maybe the one. Yeah. No, oh. it's, the du- it's the one where he runs down the building.
2: Yeah, the one where he's on. Yeah, in, Ghost in, in the Ghost Protocol. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was Ghost Protocol. The one where he has the gloves where he's trying to yes. cleanse Yes, And if you remember, yeah. even yeah. from
3: when he gets his mission and it says this will self-destruct and it doesn't, and he kind of had yeah. to taps it, every single yeah. thing doesn't work. And that really revitalized the series. That's the same kind of thing with this is everything is like really ground level having to figure it out the car is not a super tank nothing can really fly without falling down it's a neat it's a neat way to to it's it seems counterintuitive that stripping it down would revitalize it but it really seems to because it makes it have real stakes there's a real human involved instead of and i was even disappointed there's just one scene where he puts something Magnetic onto something else, and lights go beep, beep 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 beep, and then something happens because nothing else is like that. The most, the biggest thing he has is like a a scissors that are on his chest, and then a grappling hook, and that's it. And I was thrilled by that. Even his car seems just like an incredibly souped up regular car, which is great. Like something
0: that, that you could yes. make. Yeah. I mean, yes. not you, but... like No, me. You, you were right the first time. Absolutely yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me... Yes. You know, one Didn't of the things that, wrench wrench that has paradigm. been... <laughs> one of the things that was such an such a easily lampoonable bit from, I, I think, from the Val Kilmer um, uh, experience was just how stupidly obvious it is that you know the the cowl when it comes off um, apparently has makeup cleaner in it and (laughs) cleans off his eyes because there are so many stupid cuts in that movie where he takes off the cowl he has dark makeup on his eyes and then takes off the cowl and his eyes are perfectly clean and i i i think it it ends up being a wonderful aesthetic choice in this movie to leave it on to leave the makeup on so Mm -hmm. much like we get so much of him to the point where in the final sequence the third time he enters the uh uh 44 below the the refrigerator (laughs) penguins refrigerator club um he goes in, he sneaks in, but you see him, he's already applied the dark makeup because he knows he's going to be putting the cowl on momentarily, but he's walking around his club with deep yeah. dark makeup around his eyes. I thought that was such a great mm-hmm. touch. Yes, yes. Such a great touch and demonstrates that the audience doesn't need to, you know, be fooled. It's
2: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the and you you do have the benefit of that that club was kind of sketched so he could walk around with that, and yeah. people would be like yeah, that. No big that. deal. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. because the yeah. Part. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's there. So, um, the the other part. So then, in that with the with the crime scene, you get the. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit uh, because I wanted to kind of just cover the introductions of the main characters, right? And so the, the through that he gets the he gets the cipher from the uh, which. I liked, and I'll pause for me here. They don't, at this point, you don't actually know who the big bad guy is. I mean, obviously, if you saw the trailer, you do. Mm-hmm. But from the movie, the movie has not yet told you who the, who the bad guy is. It, we're, just, we're just starting. You have a cipher. Um, I really appreciated that they demonstrated a different relationship with Alfred. That Alfred was actually helping him solve things, right? That helping him decipher the the because the 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 card had the coded message and helping him decipher that, you know, and then working really working together. And it took both of them together to figure out, okay, this is what is being what is being communicated. And then they get the, you know, the scandalous pictures of the governor, which takes them to the club. Uh the club 44, I believe no, it's called the Iceberg Club, because that's the main the, the top club yeah. is the iceberg the club. 44, 44 below is, is, the, is club the club. Downstairs. Down. Yeah. yeah. The iceberg club. And so the that brings us to the introduction of the penguin. Um, so uh, hiding Colin Farrell under all the prosthetics was amazing. Um, but I think that part of that, the, what I really want to talk about there was that I found, and you mentioned it, the scene when he comes into 44 blow the third time, I think the first time it is... Uh, there's two things that I really find interesting. One is when they first set up the sight gag between the twins, um, which is a running gag each time he shows up uh, at 44 below about mm-hmm. how the twins treat him at the door. Um, the the interesting thing to me, the normalcy of the fight scene g- going in there, right, to get in to get to the penguin. It's also the first time yep. where I started looking at like what his fighting style really was, and also noticing that he was keeping to the batman ethos of not killing people right because he's in scenarios where he mm-hmm. can kill these people but he's not yep. you know his weaponry is all non-lethal he's throwing them even a couple times when you think he's throwing someone over a, a large uh over over a, you know, like a balcony that's going to be a large drop you realize oh it's only like about a little five foot drop down to the next level so they're gonna have some broken bones to be sure but still be alive um and so i think that it was interesting to me that that scene and that sequence uh, uh, really reestablishing or continuing to establish his fighting style along with how then the penguin is introduced where he just walks up to him effectively and starts talking to yeah. him and in and, and the Batman and the penguin are, are talking to each other. Like the Batman is a cop and the penguin is answering or, or evading his questions. And, and this to me was an interesting way to, to, to set up and juxtapose not only like, you know, to set up who the penguin is, but also That man's relationship with people in this and that he's just, you know talking, you know, just, just talking, interrogating them and then, you know, talking to them, interrogating them. And so then I guess, did you also, so I guess I'll start with you, Pete. Did you also have any uh, thoughts or feelings about about that interaction, about the, the normalcy of it? I think at this point I started to get, I started to get more grounded in the normalcy of things, but that you'd have that normalcy and you wouldn't have the whole, yes, I'm Batman. I'm going to swoop down and grab you and scare you and hang you upside down to interrogate you.
0: Yeah, no, I I I think so. And and I think particularly that nobody was surprised that people like the Penguin and the Batman and <laughs> the Catwoman and you know, the the Riddler are hanging out here. Like <laughs> just as much as uh you know, as we have this sort of superhero movie, it's also just a messed up town and it felt so normal for the town to be completely just bug nuts with characters doing things and and behaving in this way like that was just a normal thing um and and i think the penguin has always been kind of an interesting character because he's gone you know from the comics to the movies like he's gone from from being an industrialist to the mayor to you know to this underground you know e- e- raw fish eating uh, <laughs> you know danny devito like it, there are all kinds of different Uh, uh, interpretations, but one thing that the Penguin has always done is, in his industriousness, he is able to move between worlds uh, strangely efficiently and effectively. And here, we see him in the underworld, we see him in his club, and we also see him at the memorial, right, or getting, getting up and out of the uh, out oh, of the right. car in front of the, you know, right. He he moves between worlds, I, I think, really in a compelling way. So, you know, notwithstanding the Colin Farrell performance here, which I thought was great, um, I, I thought, uh, I just really like the interpretation of the character here. I
3: completely agree. Again, grounding is going to be the word that I use more than anything else. But that he's not... That yeah, he doesn't eat fish. We're, 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 we're <laughs> not one time, not one time did time he did eat a he eat fish. fish. Um, <laughs> it's like what was said in um Split, the comics that these things are real. And then the comics makes such slightly more fantastical versions of everything. We're seeing it in reverse. Now, that they're taking everything, and it's as if, of course, he's not really a penguin, and he lives in the sewer and eats things. We just call him that because of blankety-blunk. And so, like, a lot of that stuff still carries over, but it's stripped down to its real humanness, which is, of course, exactly what I want out of every superhero movie. Very <laughs> yeah, much so. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is great. I'm thrilled by that. Uh, and I think, uh, I thought Colin Farrell was having a ball. He was so much fun to watch.
0: Where do you stand on the overlay texting? We talked about this. Brian brought this question up in our pre-show chat, and I'm—I think it's a really great question. Like, uh, you know, um, the way it was presented in that conversation was—is this a, a trend of taking, you know, great-looking actors and covering up in in ugly latex? And and I think that was part of our—I uh, think we we disagreed on that point that it's it's not necessarily a new thing. Like we're we've been doing this for a long time, latex. But in this case,
3: he was unrecognizable.
0: unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh,
3: for me, I think it really comes down to. If, if they really knock it out of the park. So like Jared Leto and House of Gucci, I spend most of the time going, why? Why spend yeah. so much time uglying up a beautiful person just so he can be like, oh, that's a spicy Gucci. I, like, who <laughs> cares? No one enjoys that. But Colin Farrell was so lived in and so not Colin Farrell that I was like, sure, absolutely. I'd love to yeah. see more of him in that role. And the heavily latex, I say go for it. So that's where I think I... Draw the right.
2: line. Yeah, I think the other juxtap- juxtaposition of the point was whether or not it was uh, taking um, work away from you know regular looking actors, All right? Yeah, you take the fa- the famous the famous big name pretty boy actor, uh, ugly him up instead of using a, a, a you know another character actor in this role.
3: It's a good point, but he was so good in it. There's, a, I mean,
2: there there is a reason he's got like he he is a.
0: A supremely talented performer, like he's really very good for this headlining role and uh and so i I think there is something just performative about it like he's he's here not because he's a a pretty guy who can't act right 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 like so i there's one other thing that I just wanted to make sure it gets said <clears throat> there is more. Batman in this movie I think than any other movie we've ever seen like part of it is because of how grounded it is and how normal it is for him to wander around the city in his suit all the time I feel like if this were any other version of Batman we would have seen much more Robert Hmm. Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and much less in the cowl and so I I wonder and Tom you sort of teased at that particular point that you didn't that one of those two you didn't like very much?
3: Correct. I thought he was so good as Batman in the Batman outfit and stuff. Unfortunately, I don't know, and this could be the most petty thing ever, it might even just be his hair color or the way, but the way that they styled him as Bruce Wayne was too emo for me. He just sort of It was came, very
0: much Spider-Man 3. I Bobby think so. McGuire. He came
3: off as like pouty, whereas yeah. Batman was like... I will eat a car for justice. Uh, what's his name? Just sort of seemed like a sad, pouty, little rich kid, which I just, it didn't work for me. And I think part of it was his hair color and they would do that kind of draped across the eyes kind of thing. I just don't think they were doing him any favors by styling him like that. I think they should have styled him a little bit against type. You know what's so
0: interesting about that? I was listening to a, a wonderful review with Matt Reeves and I thought this was this was particularly Illustrative of his his sort of Bruce Wayne character design, um, you remember the Safty Brothers Good Time? Yeah, did you see it?
3: I loved it. Fantastic! Yes. I right. couldn't. I loved uh, it. Uncut Gems is the most unpleasant movie I've ever seen in the entire world, but I love. I know it, Good it was Time. rough. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So Good Time is great, and that was another Hanson mm-hmm. and. What is so amazing about that is although he has this shock of blonde yeah. hair, it is also that kind of of kind of shaggy emo look. And this interview with Matt Reeves, he says, you know, I, I actually it was actually uh, Pattinson who is telling the story of the fact that his first meeting with Matt Reeves was he's working on this movie and had and just watched Good Time. And that's what gave Matt Reeves the idea that Pattinson could play this huh. part. He was like, this is the movie that modeled the character for this Bruce Wayne in The Batman. Interesting, sure. That, from a character design perspective, it suddenly makes a little bit more sense Mm -hmm. to me that that this Bruce Wayne would have more than a passing resemblance (laughs) to, you know, that film.
2: More of really kind of what you think you're reacting to is how he looked, Uh, because he wasn't, you know, pouty or emotionally wasn't, you know... uh, tumultuous or anything with with his with his emotions throughout back and going back and forth to some wild swing or the other right he seemed to be pretty even keel most of the way through he seemed as Bruce Wayne you know he- <laughs> Consistently full of self loathing yeah, and yeah, you know. yeah. No, but, yes. but he's not, but he's not back and forth, not like you because know, when you say emo, right. that makes him sound like you know, like I guess maybe I think of that in terms of more, uh, you know, happy, sad. If you're talking about emo, just as in he was consistently depressed, I know, think I meant think more best.
3: of just consistently depressed, and okay, that's why okay. I said pouty. Yeah, if emo is if I'm using that term incorrectly, and that means wild swings of emotion, 100% not. No, okay, I then. just mean sort of like. Wr. Okay. Uh, and,
2: yeah, uh,
0: well, I mean, and that goes to the whole, like, reading his own journal as a narration. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit of a low point for me. I really struggled yeah. with that. I'm like, I don't need you talking about how you feel about the city. I just just do your yeah. work, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that was a piece that I just sort of struggled with.
2: So, so, so in jumping ahead with that, well, let me jump onto the narrative part, right? So, you didn't feel that... Th- so, that added a lot to me, not only in terms of the fact that the, you know, as I was saying earlier, for me, the detective Batman, a lot of those, especially in the comic book medium, a lot of it is what's going on in his head and mm-hmm. so they, they had yeah. to then have a way and narration is the only way is the way to you know communicate that via film is like okay narration is going over this is happening in his head but but also did, did you not feel that it had a payoff you know with the narration to, you know towards the end like as far as the 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 change in the turn that is happening in his perception of what does it mean to be Batman is communicated to us through the narration of, of this exercise You know, and I I felt that the the early part, it needed to set the stakes for that.
0: One, I'm sure Tom will have more to say on this subject. I hope hope he has more to say. So I'm going to try to be brief. I prefer, I, I am generally an active antagonist for voiceover narration in film. I don't like it. I think movies are better without it. And as an alternative to voiceover narration, you demonstrate through performance and interaction with characters on screen whatever the hell you want to have the characters say in their head. In comics, we have call out blocks. In movies, we have actors to do the work. And I generally find that hearing the narration, there are some examples where I think narration does uh, does actually work and some reasons when you might have it. I don't think this was one of them. uh, and so I I struggled with that. So I don't know. I uh, Tom, I, I, you've got something to say, please.
3: Well, I wasn't able to see the film, but <laughs> I think... <laughs> no. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, traditionally you're supposed to show, not tell. I do really like Ocean's point about that it really did hammer home, not in a way that felt uh, ham-handed, but a way of, in the beginning, he's like... Darkness! I am darkness! I eat darkness! And later he's like, oh, maybe everyone needs a hug. Like, that worked for me, but some of it was a little too hard-bitten. It wasn't as bad as, like, what was that movie? Oh, Reminiscence. When he, oh God. you remember reminiscence yeah. when he's like, oh, I walked in and so I saw bad. a bench and then I sat on the bench? We're like, well, we see you doing this in real time. Wow. You're sitting on yeah. a bench, you dumbass. This, I no, like the but this opening. Is it. Like
0: the opening sequence, he says, I am vengeance and beats the crap out of a gang of thugs. That tells me pretty well where his mind is. <laughs> At the end of the movie, he lights a flare and literally <laughs> leads the refugees to salvation after being cleansed by floodwaters.
3: Oh, <laughs> A good I don't point. <laughs> need
0: you to tell me that. They've shown me everything. <laughs> Shut him up.
3: It, it was too much. I agree with Pete. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. It was too much. I didn't mind the some of that opening. And I'm I'm fine with the phrase: uh, they look for me in the dar- darkness, they don't realize I am the darkness. Like that's hit you pretty square in the face, but that kind of hard-bitten line I'm okay with. But there was an abundance.
2: Since this Batman really was showing us a version where he did not know all of the answers of it, all the answers up front, right? He didn't know everything. Um, after you know, after meeting the Penguin, Selena Carlson in, in the club, you know, follows her home, does stuff, right? So the the one thing though in, about that that I I find uh, that at least the next interesting point to, to me to discuss was um, about whether or not this film was actually trying to demonstrate a growth of the character Batman in, in, in increments, okay? Because there's the we've talked about the beginning and the end a couple times, and obviously there's the growth that pattern happens there. But even in increments of that, as interesting as it sounds, and I'll, and I'll set up my, I'll, I'll set up, I'll say what I'm saying, then I'll set up the premise. As interesting as it sounds, that a, a man that's dressed up fighting crime as a bat may have been naive, slightly, about the level of corruption of the city. And what I'm referencing that is the scenes when he starts to use Selena Kyle really as an informant to go under Dugan the first time she goes into the club and he sees, hey, that's the, about the entire DA's office down here with, you know, um, cause Falcone was down there. I think the Penguin was down there for a minute. You, you know, and there was various other, uh, criminals, uh, criminals or low lives that they, that they were mentioning when he was, uh, identifying them through the the contact lenses that could that could you know that could video everything <laughs> right, and do their that. identification, which I thought was a, was a great was a great gadget trick. It was a great gadget in that it was, while not currently in our reality. It's combining Around the all sorts of elements that were like, okay, yeah, I can see how you get there, and it, it allowed in
0: a movie without very many gadget tricks. <laughs> right. Like that was that was a nice yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. just enough, yeah, exactly.
2: And, and so, and and in this, but in this sequence, in the scene where he's using her, and it's kind of really they're working. He's now working the case. He's got a CI, and he's got to get the CI under to figure out what's how bad things are. You know, but and and that he a is. Still demonstrating the Detective Batman thing, which I, I got to tell you, my mouth was gape for half the movie, just uh, just how happy I was that this was what I was seeing. But then be yeah. that in the in these moments when he's, you know, when he gets upset with Selena about like, you have a relationship with Falcon and all other stuff. But the shock of the entire DA's office there is as if he thought it's like he was like, well, I thought Gotham was bad, but I didn't think it was that bad. Right. And so that whether or not you you feel that that was another thing they're trying to display is incremental moments of growth as opposed to just giving us one big jump at the end.
3: I didn't think about that as strongly until you just said that. But you're right. I think that we see a Bruce Wayne learning this town is filled with all of these little thugs and I have to run around and beat them up. But he's not questioning why is this town filled with so many little thugs It's because it's systemic and it's coming from the top. It goes all the way up, and everything is built on lies. That says a lot about also, you know, America, well, probably worldwide, but certainly American anxieties currently, um, and about distrust in politicians, distrust in a lot of things. That's another yeah. uh, handshake with the Joker, like Pete was talking about before, not the character, the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really, mm-hmm. these movies are starting to, while Aquaman is smelling his own armpit underwater, these movies are really starting to address what it, are we all in Gotham (laughs) and how do how do you know when you're officially in Gotham and you're not watching a movie anymore so yeah I think that's really that's a good point I like that
0: I there the the um, urban dictionary definition when you look up idiocracy is the documentary that became or the movie that became a documentary and I I feel like that's that's funny only to a, a certain place this and Joker, and like I, I think that's the same thing could be said, right <laughs> the The movie that's becoming a documentary, I mean, this is a movie that deals with groupthink and the <laughs> in, 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 you know, using media to to you know uh, cause you know certain um elements to to rise up and and those sorts of things are scary and dangerous and and one of the great fears of this movie is mob mentality Mm -hmm. right it's that that they use the mob as the big bad and uh i i think that was that was super terrifying um you know it's also like there are so many other things woven into it and i can't believe we've gotten this far and we haven't talked about paul dano as the riddler because when you talk about the opening of the movie that is an incredibly powerful scene that initial mayoral murder that candidate murder uh in in the movie and it has so many nods to so many other wonderful (laughs) other movies the way we meet him and we've already talked about batman coming out of the darkness here we have you know, the, the, him in the darkness, right? These, these incredible visuals of him in those shining reflections off his, off his glasses, right? The, the, um, um, wow, man, what was that? There was a, another really great movie from the seventies that had another one of those great, I mean, there are great scenes like this all the time, but it's when the, the murderer is like in the room and behind you and you can't see him until he moves a little bit. Well, Halloween um, was
3: a big one. I know that's not the one you're thinking Halloween, of, but Halloween,
0: Halloween, yep. Halloween's definitely one. Uh, when a stranger calls, the stranger calls good the, the babysitter. One, yep. right, yep. right. So it, it's that kind of a of a move that I, I think they he, they execute so perfectly, and then to extrapolate that as like that this this broken this other broken soldier mm-hmm. is the thing. That I- exacerbates the, the, the long, sort of the long con of the failure of, of Gotham City, I think was incredibly powerful. I think that, w- that worked really, really well, starting from this single uh, m- murder to the final gag of all of these guys hanging off of the scaffolding right. with their rifles it was terrifying and, and felt earned to me. I don't know, I probably totally derailed the potion. No. I just had to I had to vomit a lot of stuff out
2: there. No, you did not. Actually, that was that was going to be the next thing I was going to uh was to talk about as well, because we hadn't talked about pa- Paul Dano and his uh, his performance portrayal as a Riddler. Um you, you know, and and then I guess my one of the things I was curious about, so I know that well, I'm I'm in the tank, read lots of comics, love Batman. I know Pete reads a lot of comics with Batman as well, and I know Pete you don't. So Having had potentially a little bit lesser of experiences with the various different different versions of the Riddler, what was your impressions of this one?
0: I'm gonna guess he was talking to you. yeah, you yes. said
2: Pete twice, but you were talking Did to I me the whole Pete time twice? yes, so I yes. have so, yes. read yes.
3: a mm, the the superhero that I have, like if no, I don't have a bookcase filled with graphic novels. I was pointing to my, I was pointing to my free weights. That's like your bathroom. No, I do have a graphic novel thing and the bees are all Batman. Like I don't read a single other serial uh, superhero, oh, okay. but Batman, I've read a fair amount of, I started with Frank Miller and then I've read a lot of like Brian Azzarello and Loeb and hush and the long Halloween, the killing joke. Like I know a fair, a lot about these, what I loved in this was,
2: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Then uh, let me restate my question. So, uh, so Tommy, as an expert in all things, <laughs> Batman comics and understanding all of the, uh, Batman lore and history, uh, you know, from, uh, from, uh, Miller yeah. to Loeb. uh, yeah. to to others that have tried to compete with them. What did you think of this version of the Riddler? I loved
3: how scary it was. One of my favorite properties in all of Batman is Arkham Asylum, um, where you get to meet all of the... Actually, there's like three or four that are based in Arkham Asylum, but Arkham Asylum is the main one. And yeah, the Riddler should be scary. I never quite understood the idea of the Riddler being like... (laughs) Um, It's because the doctor was a woman. I guess that's not really a riddle. But I like the idea of using this type of riddles and puzzles. Yeah, because what it connects it to and what I actually, when I, I saw this yesterday and I came home and after dinner, I started watching Seven. Seven oh, is yeah. such a spiritual cousin, to reuse Pete's, Pete's phrase, to this movie that, yeah, that's a riddle, that puzzles can be really dangerous. And, and that's been found out in so many horror movies, from Saw to Escape Room to all of those. Puzzles can be really devious. And so um, I was thrilled by this. Paul Dano's performance really worked and then sometimes really didn't for me. I don't feel like he really decided on a voice. And I think I mean that literally. It seemed like he mm. was happy. And maybe that's a part of his process because I love his, him as an actor. I think he's incessantly fascinating. It seemed like he was sort of figuring it out throughout the movie. Uh, but either way, I overall, I was uh, blown away by this depiction of the Riddler. This is what I want. I want Batman villains to be scary.
0: I'm, I'm a little bit spoiled because I spent a lot of time in Gotham in gotham uh and in that show oh i've never seen it uh, the riddler was played by Corey michael smith and so and, and he was fantastic in really dealing with the the sort of multiple personality disorder mm. that that he uh that that they've sort of imbued on um on enigma here and the 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 kinds of nods that they took from the source books i think they did an incredible job with them i think paul dano i'm with you i think he's endlessly fascinating and talk about a guy who knows his tool like his face is fascinating and i found it incredibly unnerving when they arrested him and they put his face down on the diner counter that smile, the way his... It, it was like a morph. It was like an old-school morph effect as the smile kind of came. It's like he has no texture on his face and he knew how to move his face without making any wrinkles at all. And I thought that was yeah. horrifying and perfect. Just perfect. I, I get what you mean about the voice. I didn't have that. That didn't bother me okay. so much. I think that real highlight is when he... Um, is when they're, they're having the confrontation between the glass and, and um, you know, Batman sets him off and he starts walking around Wailing. the table. Oh no, yeah. no. I thought that was really powerful and sort of demonstrates like where he is on the spectrum, right? Hmm. He's he's having an outburst like he can't he can't control himself and I thought that was uh I, I thought that was really good. I liked him a lot. Um and I thought he was, you know, a a return to form that was cleansing from the 60s version of the the Riddler, who was also, was that Frank Gorshin? Like, they're they're also an iconic performance, but only really appropriate for that Property. And I think we, we, it it came undone when Jim Carrey had it and, and just did all of the Jim Carrey stuff all over it and didn't really move it (laughs) along. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that, uh, for me, uh, the, you know, you alluded to the end sequence and I think the end sequence, the movie, uh, confirms what my bias, in a sense, was that um, what I found interesting about this incarnation of the Riddler is, um, and really I'm saying the Riddler, but I think I could even have that as a stand-in for any Batman villain I've seen in in cinema, where it's that the he, A, seems to be smarter— uh, you know, and like it's, it's a smarter, well, more put together villain. Like it's actually a plan that has, you know, seems to have a point A, a point B, a direction of where we're going. But the thing that I found interest, most interesting was that as the Riddler's motivation becomes clearer, I started to ask myself, is the killing alone the difference between him and Batman? You know, because if you, th- if you look at what the Riddler's doing, it's like, well, while Batman would not have chosen these methods, With the, armed with the same information, he would have tried to come up with the, a similar outcome. Now, granted, the people wouldn't be dead. Right? He wouldn't have killed the mayor, he wouldn't have killed the DA, um, you know, and he wouldn't have killed... He
0: wouldn't have broken the seawall and destroyed the city.
3: Well, that, okay, well, that, not, that's, that's also... Part. <laughs> not, 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 not that up, part. Up not that part. Up to there. You just uh, mean uh, no, because uh, it it breaks down at there. that part. Uh,
2: yeah, it but breaks down, it breaks down there. But but like everything up to that, because this is all my thoughts of everything up to the confrontation in the in the uh, jail cell before he breaks the seal the sea the sea, the sea wall, Because yes, Batman wouldn't do that. But the rest of it, as far as really viewing Gotham as a cesspool of corruption that needs to be fixed and there needs to be no more lies, really, the Riddler was. I think two things. One, he was really kind of, it felt to me the other side of Batman where it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a darker side that's not willing to really value life to achieve goals, but then also be kind of was smart enough to figure out, Hey, I need, I need this Batman force to make what I want to make happen, happen. And I, and I found that, that duality very interesting. And then also questioning, well, you know, th- how, different are there and I, and I and i applaud the movie for making really making this question become something that you think about it was okay well what is the real difference between batman and the riddler in this movie uh, up to the up to the seawall
3: yeah i i love that yeah. i love like that too but i feel like that was really explored also in uh christopher nolan's batmans that a lot of the times especially with the joker that they're and in the comics there's a lot of There's no difference between us. (laughs) There's no difference between him and some of the bad guys. And they're trying to like force him to recognize that. And the Joker, when he's like trying to get Batman to kill him over and over again in order to prove the point and Batman at the last second his motorcycle or just over and over again, he puts himself in harm's way. Granted, the Joker's also uh, uh, bug nuts, like Pete so eloquently said before. <laughs> but I think that's always that's always sort of a but big that's part different. of it.
0: Th- I think that's different. I think, you think it's different though. Like, I think it's really important. Yeah. Give me a, let me just give you a, a chance to please. respond. Uh, two minutes please. on the clock. I feel like uh the the difference Joker as a foil to Batman is uh it is a the the uh, order as the antithesis of chaos right joker is chaos he has no motivation other than being chaos and batman is all order the difference here and why this is so fascinating to me is that the riddler is the same as joker er, as batman he is equipped with the same intellect the same and, and has a motivation beyond chaos the riddler wanted to get to the bottom of the crime he wanted to get to the bottom of the mob uh, you know death of his own father and the you know all of that like he had motivation beyond let's just so dissent and that that is such a different take on this character and and i do think on the reflection between the two and to ocean's point this whole idea that they they really are the same the same they with you know th- just one little tiny thing that batman doesn't like to kill people like they really are going for the same ends agreed that's why that speech at the end was so powerful when he said you know we're working together i needed you to do this man (laughs) you didn't need me to do this he actually makes batman look like the joker in this relationship (laughs) (laughs) okay i got so excited i spit on my computer
2: (laughs) Uh, since we really kind of jumped near, closer to the ending. And, and so uh, we haven't really talked too much about that, you know, the process of that they were d- discovering that Falcone was the real informant against Moroni, right? And that they, they did do one thing with that that I did appreciate is I was happy to see the first actor portraying a Batman for the first time in a Batman movie where we don't have to cover like his parents getting killed right and now what I mean by that is you can reference it and I think that's appropriate because if your parents get killed you can talk about it in conversation but we don't have to show it over and over again in the movie and then anytime we these reboots type like Batman you know they, they you gotta show that, that his parents were killed all the time so they didn't do that but then also well real um, quick I really
3: disagree because the whole movie I was like was his mom wearing pearls
2: so, <laughs> <laughs> They, ne- I don't know yeah so and I do like that, you know. So the movie felt to me that it had, uh, you know, that the uh, the two the two endings. Okay, so there's the the one ending which we've really already discussed, which was you know once he discovers Falcone is the real informant uh, against Maroni, then the Riddler has him killed and they and goes to the sequence that we talked about in the in the prison, uh, and then the the second is the blowing up of the seawall. Right. Where, where that is, you know, it creates the water flooding and then the killing and then getting, uh, leveraging, you know, modern technology of, you know, social media to say, Hey, I have a group of, I think there was maybe 20 or 30 of them that were willing to then cook 50. 50, It was a 50. Okay. that were willing to go up on the top and basically turn the, uh, it was gotham square garden i remember i remember i remember Keep <laughs> thinking okay that's not madison square garden but it is right. madison square garden so yes okay. they they
0: want it to be real <laughs> exactly
2: down. yes so that in gotham square garden to have them you know the uh to have them you know turn that into a shooting gallery to, to kill various people and also uh that effective turn in batman where he um not only helps save that's the one sequence the one sequence where a bunch of explosions and he swoops down to to, to fight as opposed to right. walking in somewhere you know which in this case warranted. Uh, i think that's earned it, it's mm-hmm. warranted you know that's where he swoops down and comes down to that and and that yep. it also leads to the a couple two or three things about the touching sequence of not only him rescuing people and really becoming batman that is Saving people as opposed to Batman who was just punishing criminals, right and, and so and it was it's curious your um, so I guess from your perspective, Tom, but what do you thought of? what I really felt were two endings, because this movie could have ended at, after the jail scene, and we'd have been fine, right but they. But to say, oh, you know, to have the Riddler say, okay, there's something else. And then you have this other sequence, you know, that kind of what you thought of that, did that seem in or out of character? Because it was kind of a, we're going to do, we're going to do away with everything in Gotham. And it was a bit it was a bit much, you know, for the scale of everything. And so I don't know, did you, did you, know, did you have that feeling of that? We had two endings or did you feel that that one, the conversation led in inextric- you know, inexorably into this, which was the actual ending. I felt that we, there was definitely two endings,
3: but I really was struck by the amount of damage that was done to Gotham, that the seawall really did. One of the problems I had with Siri with a uh, super, Super Bowl, serial or Super Bowl. Those are the two choices with superhero <laughs> movies is everything just goes back to normal. Right. Everything's just like, "Oh, well, we put this one person. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I would' have done it except for you." that there's there this was really real stakes. And a lot of people were probably caught out in that flood. Um, I like the idea of having someone so dangerous having two things, so much corruption. From the people that are supposed to be protecting the city and then someone so dangerous and able to weaponize the mob as um, the Riddler is that there should be repercussions for that. Everything shouldn't, the sun just shouldn't go up the next day and go, phew, that was a close one. The city is a wound and it needs to feel like one was really inflicted on it. So I, that made stakes for me. I couldn't believe it. When it started going off, I was blown away. Oh, That seems like I was trying to make a, a pun. I was absolutely not. Yeah. But my emotional seawall expectations were just walked away. <laughs> my emotional seawall was breached. Um, and so, no, I'm really glad that they put that in because it makes it seem that's weirdly even though that's so much bigger than so much of the rest of the movie that also grounds it for me. When bombs blow up, horrible things happen. Things don't yeah. just, you don't just yeah. send someone to jail and everyone gets up and eats breakfast the next morning. So, I liked
0: it. Yeah, and that's what's so beautiful about the the irony of his interpersonal transformation is that, like, that cleansing, like, he wouldn't, he he has evolved a little bit as a result of this movie. We need to see that because this is year two, right? Like, this is his, he's Still, so new at this whole thing that we need to see him learn a lesson. And this is a massive failing. Mm -hmm. This is he, as a savior of the city, is unable to save the city. He's not able to defuse the bomb in time. And if you know, I have complained many times before about the video games that all you have to do is race around the digital city and defuse Mm -hmm. bombs, like Batman Arkham Asylum. I played that. Frustrated me to no end. This movie was like me playing Batman. You failed right. to stop the yeah. bombs because that's a stupid mechanic, but also it allows him to be cleansed in the waters. And I think that that was really powerful. And, and as a result of that, when he falls into the water and he stands up and he lights the flare, that is like the hero shot of this movie they use it in the trailer unfortunately but it is like the poster i want of this Mm -hmm. movie of him holding it over his head like he's under kind of under the light but it is glowing around him and then the the shot from up above which reminded me of the um uh wolverine the arrow shot in the wolverine that we love so much right with all the arrows he's like leading the the you know across the the uh, flood, which I thought was extraordinarily visually beautiful, mm-hmm.
2: like just so beautiful. So, what else did you um, think about in terms of uh, obviously this in this? I guess maybe this is what i like to segue into this part with the, so we're talking about the scale of the final explosion. Um, just how, uh, sorry, explosion, the flooding and all that, in terms of like, you know, how, how was, you know, Pete, did you feel about, you know, the, how was, how the movie was made? Like the look and feel, the whole, the whole production, production design of the whole thing, you know, that did this, was this the penultimate piece of it for you? Or did you find that it was really just of a piece of what you'd been seeing the whole time?
0: Well, I do think it was of a piece of what I was of, of what I've been seeing, with the exception of Wayne Manor, which I thought was just goofy. <laughs> like, it was just too much. Yeah. It was just too flamboyant, too many flirtily, like it was <laughs> I that was just ridiculous. Like I it was just a a bridge way, way, way too far. However, speaking of the groundedness of uh you know, Bruce, or of of the Batman, the fact that his lair uh, is in this old subway tunnel. There, there's something about being in the subway tunnel versus being in a cave. Mm-hmm. The subway tunnel feels, ironically, more grounded to me because it is like a piece of of anthropocene refuse. Mm-hmm. Like it is a thing that humans created and then, like, just. Uh, disposed of like closed it off and it's it's just trash and and I thought that was, that was just Weirdly like resonant for me, not like, oh, look, I found this giant thing in the in underground under my house. And <laughs> thank God I'm gonna build an elevator slide <laughs> to it behind the clock, and now it's gonna be perfect
2: right. with computers. Well, it, building like, a base, I was gonna say, but first I need a, a plaque with the head that I can tilt up and hit a button to open yeah. the door to get down. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's right. don't hands don't
0: down, right? So I just think it it just really lended itself to the the overall tone. I think there were some really smart decisions all the way around tommy already mentioned the car the fact that i i love the motorcycle sequences uh, you know with when uh, the batman and the catwoman are riding their motorcycles side by side i thought that was really cool like there's just so many smart smart choices that made it feel like a universe that could exist um and may someday soon exist but right now it was it was a playground agreed agreed good
2: good so um the, the, I think that it would be remiss to before we uh, uh, before before we wrap all this up to say I wanted to say a couple things. One, John Turturro was amazing uh, mm-hmm. as as, yep. as Falcon. I thought I thought his his performance was uh, a, a mixture of cool and dangerous, you know, all all the same time.
0: Well, it goes it goes a long way for the story too to make the big bads the mob and not some weird you know super powered creature yes. person. Like it is really grounding.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the the other thing that I um was curious if if you um felt that this was a difference as well that was it's a good or a bad difference, Tommy, in that th- there's the scene which we we skipped over, but there's a scene where Alfred is in the hospital mm-hmm. and injured, and and he and Bruce Wayne have that moment that is more emotionally affecting where. You know, historically, especially especially in film, Alfred is treated as in, you know, there's a little bit of a reverence to him. Uh, there's, it's, you know, it's obvious that Bruce Wayne, you know, loves Alfred and feels that he owes him so much. But not anything like this, where it was, the, you know, kind of a a moment, like a slight moment of almost, at least his most as much as much vulnerability as Bruce Wayne is going to allow in his life to say, hey, I would really my life would be uh, r- really in a lesser place if, if I lost you, you know, and whether or not you, did you feel that that was, uh, you know, I guess, do you think of that as a good thing You know, that we're showing different sides of, of Bruce Wayne Batman or is it a bad thing of I don't need this much? I don't need this much Tashi Feely out of my Batman. Uh, I liked it
3: because it really solidified more, less of the help and more of the father figure that he is, that he always sort of has been, but always sort of in a, especially with like Michael Kane as like a disapproving, here's your tea and you should go find a nice girl and settle down thing. He really just seems like a guy that he's living with, uh, that he's known for his entire life. So um, I thought it was an important scene in just another way that he's been. Everything in this movie is a huge pyramid of lies. And that that includes Alfred to Batman, to, sorry, Bruce Wayne. And so I think having that also in there, it's everything is touched by lies in this movie. And so I enjoyed that being a part of
2: it. Yeah, I I seriously with that, although I did find myself coming down on the, I don't think Falcone had the Wayne's killed. Yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was random. Even though they even though they hint towards that in there that he potentially did, I I think I think it was random. I'm just gonna just my claim there. Just incredible timing. Uh, I think somewhat incredible timing, but also the the that they do still mention it as if it was still like a a random street thug kind of did it, and it wasn't like a professional hit job. You know, I think that if Falcone had had it done, it would have been cleaner. Then Oh, that's than interesting. then what they're describing right, like, they're why would he hire one of the, the Joker's
3: goons to do it? That's an interesting point,
2: yeah well, you, yeah yeah, we're well, not uh okay, yes, but, yeah, so so uh, I think more on that. so um I guess though, is there since we've this has this movie has a lot, and we've talked about a lot of things. Are there any uh acting performances or anything else we that we haven't talked about yet that you want to touch on, Pete?
0: well i I, I want to talk about Zoe Kra oh, okay. just a yes. little bit. And I want to talk about Zoe Kravitz Because the last time I can't I think this was the last time We talked about A Zoe Kravitz movie On the show Was a long Long time ago Uh, It was Divergence Oh Oh. Um, And I said On that show She would make A great cat woman
3: And we were like Boo (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I said
0: something to the effect of uh I I found her compelling. It was like the first thing I'd ever seen her in. And I said I found her compelling. I would like to see more things with her in it. It was insurgent. We did it was when we did insurgent. That's the one where they jump across the tree yep. track. Mm-hmm. And um and I, I said I'd like to see more in it. And I think somebody who somebody was on that show, it might have been you, Tom, laughed at me and said, Oh, you know, it's like in you know, she's nepotistic casting or something.
3: I like wasn't on that. that. I'm, not, I'm blaming uh, you only because I wasn't on here. that episode i did just i sent you a f- then good you're a perfect vest
0: oh okay you sticking with it <laughs> yeah yeah what a you're jerk a, i am yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh and i have recently been complaining about a movie that she was in that is kimmy because it was not great but she was good right. in it i feel like this performance from her is something that uh is it it, it completes the circle for me of of her as a young actor i think she is really really good and um and i think her catwoman was interesting and motivated and made some interesting choices and was appropriately uh, physical. Like, Mm -hmm. the way she left her apartment was dope, right? Like, that was so cool. And, like, what a great effect. Stunt sequence, like, super effortless little choices that she made. Uh, And so I actually, I think she was a great addition to the the Catwoman Legion. Better than Michelle Mm -hmm. Pfeiffer. Yeah. I I think, in my opinion, the other thing I want to say about Robert Pattinson is it's interesting because I've been reading a lot about uh, you know I, I really like Robert Pattinson a lot, and I think it's it is um, it's easy for people to I, we all heard that. <laughs> we
3: all we what,
0: what, all what did you,
2: you marry him, Pete. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I thought I actually did that quiet enough for nobody heard. Yeah. Nope, we all heard it.
0: Okay, so anyway, I think there are a lot of uh, people who are like, oh, look, the Edward Cullen, the Twilight guy, is now Batman. Nah. But please, no. people who are doing that, go look at the rest of the stuff that he's been doing since then because yeah. he makes some crazy yes. choices. That guy does just makes. Heavy yep. swings with everything that he that does. That sci-fi and, and movie look with
2: Claire Tennant. Oh. tenet was amazing. He was great in that. He was great in tenet. tenet. was um, amazing.
0: Cosmopolis. Yep. Hi, a, a good time. High uh, life. Go, please high. go watch The Lighthouse. Hi. My God, yeah. that movie. You talk about a guy who just is, un. it, it feels like he is just unafraid to do anything. Yep. And this is just another thing. Although he is also in Twilight a brooding, self-loathing <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, character. I, and so this is probably the closest <laughs> he's ever been to yeah, coming back yeah, to that. Yeah. Uh, I really. I also like that he wasn't fully jacked. Like yep. he didn't put on forty pounds of solid muscle. He he still looked like a a guy.
2: I, I found that almost a little disc- uh, a little odd. Um, uh, there were times when uh, the only moments of not full believability I had in him as Batman was when they showed him with the shirt off. There was one they had him in the front where it looked like, okay, maybe he'd you know, seen a couple of dumbbells, um, but that, yeah. that he was... He appeared to me too small, and so... That part of it, I was kind of just <laughs> gonna go with a bit. Um, whenever yeah. they showed him with it, because in the suit, you, you don't get that impression. He's so much taller, exactly, and he's you know he's big and he's kind of wily and lanky. But when they started showing him with the shirt off, I was like, well, that that dude's too small. Uh, <laughs> he was he was fit,
0: not Correct. Jack.
2: Correct, yes, like, yes, yeah, yeah. So he, also known as the Tommy hits like. Yeah, yeah. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, yeah you don't you weirdly don't know what the tommy Hansen is uh, <laughs> i i think he uh i i think he actually i i think there's a there might be a case to be made that that was also performative. That he's a little too skinny because he was. Uh, that is one character thing I get out of him. That he was sort of suffering for his craft. Like clearly, when Af- Alfred comes down, he's like, this, "You have to take care of yourself, man. You've got to sleep. You've got to <laughs> do some things. You got to eat right. You gotta. You gotta take care of yourself." And he was having none of it. And that that I I felt like okay, I get that he might look a little starved, uh, you know, because he's not healthy.
2: <laughs> Well, you know, insomnia, uh, jumping around on rooftops yeah, and drag-chasing right. criminals will do that to you.
0: The uh, Michael Giacchino did the score, and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> he, is, he quickly became one of my very favorite uh, working composers, and this movie is just yet another wonderful contribution. It's just great.
2: So I'll start with you, Tommy. So uh, let's talk about, given your expectations going in, did this movie uh, meet, exceed, or not or not meet uh, your your expectations? Exceed. It was as gritty and dark and thuddingly blunt
3: instrument as I thought it would be, but it was also smarter. The use of the riddles was really good and even kind of, like, gorily funny at times. Uh, it really made me want to rewatch Seven. Uh, because it it has at times levels of that complexity where when you see when you sit back and you see the whole picture, you really kind of want to go back and see it again, so it exceeded i was thrilled
0: yeah it it exceeded uh for sure and and it took me i think it took me the day to realize how much I liked and appreciate the take on this movie, like I walked out of it and at a three hour runtime it's a it's a lot Mm -hmm. and and i don't know about you guys but there were easily i mean i more trailers for this before this movie than i had ever seen so it was more than 30 Mm -hmm. minutes of straight previews before the movie started closer to 40 and uh by so by the time you're at the end of the movie it's like four hours sitting uh in, in the theater and so it's it's a lot of of darkness and rain, so much rain, uh, and so I, it, I think I was a little bit uh, over overstimulated when I walked out. And, and after kind of sleeping on it, I, I realized this is they made a lot of really smart choices, and not only that, I can't wait to see it again. I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing yeah. it again in the theater.
3: I want to yeah. see overstimulated
2: post Batman Pete. <laughs> I need to get my parking validated. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, he drives home very quickly, and uh, looks, more, looks <laughs> for looks for those trucks uh, that are, you know those car carrier True. ones that so he can then jump it up and over and through <laughs> like that and everything. <laughs> that
0: was a great that was a great scene. I thought that was a really interesting thing with the uh, that the the actual car mm-hmm, case. Yeah. The car, first of all, you already mentioned, is incredibly threatening with all the flames yeah. and stuff, like super souped up apparently largely indestructible drives through that concrete you know <laughs> piping uh but uh also really unsettling like they never give you a solid master shot of the entire sequence so you actually have any way to see what's going on it's just a lot of weird traffic yeah. like uh and so much rain that it was i i found it really unsettling i i have read folks who did not like it who felt like it was just sloppy and choppy oh. and, and i didn't get that read on it at all to me it felt like intentional yeah uh, you yeah know, uh, that was, it had my choices. favorite
3: shot in the movie of a movie that is absolutely beautiful and filled with shots is when it's you're going the uh penguin is driving away from us and we're behind him and the batmobile squeals into traffic all the way outside of frame the camera does not follow yeah. him and then back in that's dope i yeah. haven't seen that in a long time because the camera always follows uh, but it made it so much better to not follow. I thought it was
0: great. Well, and and you know he did so many things that were that felt very cl- like uh, all the way back to like Cloverfield type mm-hmm. stuff. You know, like it was. It's very much the uh, like uh, uh, Kyle Olson uh, wrote me a text. He was like, you know, this movie takes gopro to a new <laughs> level yeah. like where they put the camera yep. like on the side of his hell of his cowl shooting up into the right. sky like I, just really cool yeah. use of placement of cameras so right. anyway we're trying to end. okay, okay so
2: out. uh for me this movie uh exceeded my expectations i was already coming in hot and this was great um i think that uh on the the, the on a high level I haven't decided yet if this is my favorite or second favorite of the Batman movies. This is the dark Knight*, which I, uh, b- which you can trust that in the next week, I'm going to watch them back to back and figure that out. <laughs> uh, so so <laughs> that I will know which one it is, but I found that. So there's the opinion about which movie it is that I think is the best Batman movie. But I think that, and I'm saying the word objectively, and this might be subjectively, but I think objectively, this is the best batman movie in this specific way many batman movies right are good or bad based so let's just throw out batman and robin and batman forever because that was just track but most of the other batman movies how much you like or dislike them a lot of times pivots a lot on the villain you know and that what you really remember, so you know the 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 easy one, of course, is the Batman '89. Both Batman '89 and uh, the Dark Knight. What you remember predominantly those performances of the Joker. That's what is great. Batman is there. Batman Returns again. I thought was a really good performance by Michael Keaton, but still the combination of the villains that you had there with the Catwoman and the Penguin, and really Christopher Walken with Max Wreck. Let's not forget anything Christopher Walken does because Christopher Walken's amazing. Um, you know those things. It, it, it's that combination too. Uh, you know, and, and even with the Christopher Nolan ones where you had with both either Tom Hardy and um, oh, good, Liam Neeson, I was going to say Qui-Gon Jinn uh, with, uh, with <laughs> Liam Neeson as Raz al Ghul and Tom Hardy, you know how much you like or dislike those. I think Christian Bale's performance is, is even keel. How much you like or dislike those depends a lot about what you thought about how those villains were portrayed. And all of that long winded preamble was to say that in this instance, the greatness of this movie rests solely on what i thought of the guy playing batman the, the the when i think about this movie i think about batman when i and i know when i think about this movie years from now i'm i'm going to like it or hate it based on the guy playing batman the riddler while important and and very consequential in this movie i'm not I'm not walking away thinking about, oh, man, Paul Dan, Paul Dano was great. It's like, no, this was Robert Pattinson doing a great performance as the Batman. And this movie was really more focused on the Batman as, as a character and as his journey and not just the Batman has to stop X. So we need to focus a lot on what X is so we understand what the Batman is going to stop, right? When this scenario, it was, it was the Batman. And so I felt that it, in that vein, it, it gave me something what I consider very special of that, hey, this movie really is a Batman movie first. Why don't you marry it? <laughs> Um because uh he's 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 emotionally unavailable. I got it. Um turns out the, yeah, there's there's been there's been others that have tried, and as, as pretty as I am, I'm not yeah. as pretty as Zoe Kravitz. So I think that if, if she couldn't get him to leave the city, because yeah. I'm telling you, if Zoe Kravitz is like, hey, let's just leave the city and go off here and live somewhere. I mean, look, I'm gonna give it a lot more thought than he did. So <laughs> to be like, yeah, let's go. So Okay, so just one more thing, but I I know we're trying to end here
0: but i just have just just one more thing much like the one more thing in this movie which is our trip to arkham uh love the setup of arkham love that arkham is named after uh, bruce's mother uh mother's family like that there is they've introduced a lot of you know uh potential for emotional uh distress and uh instability uh and bruce wayne is probably subject to some of that himself and uh here we go for the first time into arkham and we see this is where they have sent the riddler and he happens to be in a cell next door with a, a laughing manic uh new best friend and that is as we are uh uh, uh come to find out uh Barry Keegan uh is cast as the Joker. Not yet the Joker. He is this is again year 2 of Batman. Um he's not quite yet the Joker, but he does start to have the the mannerisms of the Joker, etc. It's kind of a big cast uh, for this particular character for this part. According to Reeves, uh he was there was another scene that was cut oh. that actually was with Barry Keegan as the Joker. Uh and it was cut from the film. So that makes it look even more stunty. He adds, Matt Reeves, that this is not an indicator of a potential sequel to come that will star the Riddler and the Joker. Hmm. Like, there is... He's been very careful about staging his comments around, it. we're just introducing the rogues yeah. gallery. And that's... The, the Joker is in-universe. And this is a thing that, you know may eventually come to play. That doesn't mean that it's our next uh, outing with this character. He really is trying to build a universe out of his particular take on this Gotham and this Batman. And so, you know, hopefully we we will see more, but we should not get our hopes up that it's going to be a Joker movie. Given all of that, how does that last scene hit you?
3: Uh, I liked it because as we're seeing Batman evolving, we're also seeing the villains evolve. Mm -hmm. Teaming up, but things aren't going away. Again, that's that same sort of feeling of why I liked that the floodwaters really did hit, is there's when you put someone in jail, they don't just disappear. So, I was a big fan.
2: I liked it okay and as the counterpoint i totally hated it i thought that it should not have been in the movie at all (laughs) we had a great movie it was great batman the riddler was perfect on his own i don't need the stunt crap of the joker showing up at the end of the movie he showed up at the end of batman begins and that was not necessary and it's not necessary here there are batman has a massive great rogues gallery is the Joker number one on that list with a bullet? Absolutely. Right. And so if you make a second movie and you put him in, fine, we'll, we will all accept it. We will all love it. It is great. The Joker is amazing. You don't need to tease the Joker. Okay? You, so to, to throw him at the end of some other movie is a horrible idea. And I want the directors of any Batman movie to stop doing it. Either the Joker's the villain or he's not in the movie. Those are your options.
0: I, you know, Ocean. I think uh, on this point we agree. Maybe not quite so violently (laughs) agree, but I, but I, but I think we agree. And and it's for that very reason I'm sort of tired of Joker origin stories. Like I'm, he, you're right. He has an incredible rogues gallery, and uh, I kind of would love to see. I'd love to see Off Limits, the Joker and Two Face, and then we got Riddler again. But I didn't really need Riddler this time. It could have been somebody new that we haven't seen. Let's let's see some new characters in some new ways and um, and and broaden the the bench strength a little bit. Uh, I I really I think we're done with the Joker. I agree. Maybe not done forever, but done for now. Done for now. No, yeah.
3: I haven't given my take on him yet. I think I should get in there on the big screen. <laughs> Ha You're is that pretty good that's pretty good right it is me that the joker
2: ha, yeah. ha, 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 ha. oh that's good it did nice. well if you're going to do that i want you to spend a little bit of time after you're shooting to uh warm up your oscar speech because that right there because <laughs> yeah, right, performance right, away, right yeah. there is that's that's yep. they're just gonna hand you a statue before <laughs> the movie's even shown like when principal yep. filming is done they'll will <laughs> hand it to you in the trailer yep.
0: They've never given a best performance by a male actor in a film trailer,
2: (laughs) but that's going to be it. (laughs) We're on Letterboxd. A True Story FM's family of film podcasts are all part of the Next Reel's HQ page. Letterboxd is a great way to track movies you see, write your own reviews, and be a part of a larger community of film lovers like yourself. Sign up for your own account today and if you upgrade to a pro or patron account use the discount code nextreel at checkout to save 20% this works for renewals as well Pete what does this out of, yeah. out of the 5 stars with a heart what do you what letterbox rating do you give the batman why am I
0: going first? Why are you making me go first? God, this is a hard one. I I came out yesterday. I, I think I came out at a solid four stars for this movie with a heart. Um, I, you know, I, I think sitting on it, I could nudge that up probably a half star. I think I could be, I, I feel like it's safe being a four and a half star movie. I liked almost everything about it. Interesting, Tom, th- that you feel like you need to go watch seven after talking about it with you guys, I feel like I need to go back and watch Joker. I am notoriously mm. uh, like uh, bearish on Joker. Oh. I, I felt like that was a movie that didn't need to be in the huh. universe. But after seeing this movie, I wonder if it if if it has a better fit. Interesting. Um, so. so yeah, I I think four and a half stars and a heart
2: for the yeah, Batman. Are you, the are you even making a case that I should actually go watch Joker? Oh yeah, yeah. I th- I think you should go watch. Okay, Joker. I love Joker. Yeah, I've. I also have a uh, strong feeling about the Joker, in that to me, the greatness of him and the reason he is number a good reason why he is number one in Batman's rose gallery is because he doesn't have an origin story. He he, he is yeah. he just is. He is chaos. He is doing what he does. That's it. Where did he come from? Who is he? Doesn't matter. Don't know. Don't care. So I I was very he- i am very hesitant to watch then a an origin story of a character that I feel deserves to not have one
0: yeah no i, I that's you just described my perspective on it too like it, it is it, it's frustrating it's a frustrating take because they they give it they give grounding to this character that should just have existed and never come into existence it just is it's chaos it's what chaos is uh, but and that 's why i didn't like it uh, attributing the Joker to it because Joaquin Phoenix does a great job as this character that should have been named something yeah. else. It's a well made film. Thank you, Tom. Tom, you love I it. I do right? love it.
3: Is that it? I'm giving this movie, The Batman, four stars and a heart. And I think there, there's a good chance it could move up to four and a half, but I would need to see it again.
2: Well, you guys are, uh, in my opinion, haters. Um, this movie <laughs> is five stars and a heart. Wow. And a it is. Amazing wow! from front to finish, from from front to back, uh to only give it four stars. Yeah, you're just you're just oh you're on some great cinema here. Uh, this is I'm I'm reticent to say that <laughs> it, you can't get better because clearly you can, because after I saw The Dark Knight, I'd been like, well, Batman movies don't get better than that. Yeah. And like I said here. I'm not sure, but I'll know in seven days whether or not this one truly is better than The Dark Knight or not. I need, I need to watch them closer together. Um, but, it, you know, it, th- this movie is, is great on so many levels. It gave me so much of Batman from a cinematic standpoint that I did not think I would ever see and so for me it's five stars and a heart i will see this again in theaters if i still bought dvds and blu-rays i would buy it but since i don't i will stream it when it comes out later on perfect we did it
0: thank you absolutely right. you know this would be a great one i hope when it comes out that one of the special features is a black and white version of it oh interesting Ooh. i would love to
2: see this in sure the, in black and, yeah black that would and and be white. that would be interesting Okay, well, uh, thank you, uh, Pete and Tommy, uh, for joining me to to, to talk about the movie, the Batman. Um, so, um, I guess uh, as we close, uh, so uh, Pete, why don't you tell us what's coming up next for you in the next reel?
0: Oh, well, that's a great question. I should probably figure that out. I'll tell you what has gone live this week as we were talking about it big. We're still in our (laughs) John Hurd series. And this is when John Hurd started playing the uh, general antagonist to the lovable doofus. And uh, we are continuing next week with Awakenings, where he is the antagonist to the lovable doofus, and then to Rambling Rose where he is hardly even in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we really, really tied ourselves in knots getting this John Heard <laughs> series done. Uh, and so there you have it. But we love John Hurd, and we're excited to actually do some movies that he's in more later. So... Stay tuned for that. Uh, after that, we're getting into our coming of age debuts. That's coming in later March, and we're very excited about that. We got Salam Bombay, we got Slums of Beverly Hills, we've got Ratcatcher and The Virgin Suicides, uh, and Thirteen oh, coming up. Virgin so it's so we've got a, it. a heck of a yeah, a heck of a series coming up for later nice. this month.
2: Great, and uh, uh, Tommy, what's going on with you? Coming, what's coming up with you in your True Story FM life? I'm probably, I'm thinking about Chipotle for tonight. (laughs) That's it.
3: (laughs) Stop
0: that, Tom. You just directed a film, man. Oh, well,
3: that's not a, that's okay. I just directed a a short film and it's the first time I've made a horror film. And the shoot went really great and I'm very excited about it. And I'm already forgetting how Premiere Pro works. So I have to figure all that out, but it was really, really (laughs) fun. And it's called static right now. And we will let you know when it comes out and you can see it. Goodbye cannot
0: wait to see it especially it seems shocking to me that a guy like you has taken so long to
3: make a i think film. i was afraid of it that's yeah. the same reason i don't sing prince at karaoke i like it too much
2: yep. yeah no i get that anyway <laughs> don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers learn more at thenextreal.com forward slash discord and again if you're not already a member please consider supporting this show to learn more visit thenextreal.com forward slash membership Please do the stuff you're supposed to do with your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, and of course, listen. But perhaps most importantly, share. Please let any of those movie lovers in your life know about the show. The best way we have to get more people listening is you. Thank you. The Film Board is a production of True Story FM. Engineering is done by Pete Wright. Find the show at True Story FM. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please do that for our show.
1: You know what I got the other day, Pete? Stephen King's latest. Want to borrow it?
0: There are so many great adaptations we've covered on the film board, available in audio form.
1: The Born Legacy, Cloud Atlas, all three Hobbit movies. The book is so much better. Oz the Great and Powerful or World War Z.
0: There was The Monuments Men, the first two Divergent movies, and Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, I heard that book was awesome. What was it called again? All You Need is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. Terrible title in either case, but a great
1: read and a great movie. Absolutely. There's also The White Tiger and Stephen King's It. Plus Dune, which is one of my audiobook favorites. Oh, mine too. You know, producing this podcast is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time. So now we're appealing to you, our dear listener. Please consider an Audible subscription to help support The Fillboard and the Next Wheels family of podcasts.
0: I've been using Audible, along with my family, for decades now. I love it, and I've read hundreds of books through it. Couldn't be more pleased with their service, and I know you'll love it too. Head to thenextreel.com slash audible and get your free trial. It really helps us out. And you have a world of over 200,000 audiobooks open to you.
1: So much great material available. Dive in with a free trial and get your first free audiobook at thenextreel.com slash audible.
0: Start listening to amazing audiobooks of your favorite movie source material with your first free audiobook today. That's thenextreel.com slash audible.